Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The sermon this morning, the title of it is A Place to Belong and A Place to Know God. And that is also the the vision of our church. It's the, the type of church here rooted in Memphis, Tennessee that we aspire to be. And maybe as you, as you hear that, whether you're a longtime Christ City goer or you're a visitor, that might not sound that ambitious. But I think that being a place to belong for anyone, for any human being, is the most ambitious goal we could probably have as a church, as a congregation. I was walking in the park with uh, my friend Jason McFarlane, who's also a missionary that we support at Christ City the other day. And we were walking and talking. And then um, we were on this sidewalk and a guy came walking this way as people do in a park. And he had lots of tattoos and he, he looked angry and he looked hard, like he looked tough, like he'd experienced a lot of things in life. And my first response uh, when I saw this guy is, uh, like alert, like, okay, there's this guy looking like this coming down the sidewalk. And we passed and Jason and I were deep in conversation about really like important, smart, cool stuff. Um, <laughs> probably, probably not. But uh, as I reflected on, on that guy later, I was thinking about what led him to the place that he was in life that just by me seeing him, I think, man, that, that dude has had a rough life. That guy has, has really been through some things. And I feel a little bit scared just walking past him. And, and then another thought occurred to me. Um, you know, there's, there's all these wars of ideologies and th- different things happening in our culture right now. And, and, and one, of, one of these sort of sub-wars is kind of a war between science and, and religion or uh, Christianity and science, and I was thinking about this this discovery that scientists have made that on a on a molecular level, they're saying that every human being is ninety nine point nine percent alike. Crazy. Yeah, Crazy. that that human beings are so similar that all of the ways that we categorize and divide each other up from one another is 0.1%. And uh, as I was thinking about the guy we passed in in the park and and that uh, discovery, that scientific discovery, uh, the thought occurred to me that even in the molecules that we are made of, 
God is speaking to us that we belong to one another. That we, that we belong together. That, that if things were as they were meant to be, that every place on earth would be known as a place to belong. And I find that to be a vision so compelling, I'm willing to stake my life on it. I'm willing to spend my life trying to find that reality here on earth. And so as we get ready to to baptize some people uh, this morning and see a symbol of belonging, of connection to Uh, what I believe and what the church believes the the deepest realities of this universe are, I thought of this passage. I broke away from the lectionary this morning for this passage often called the Great Commission. And so I want us to read here and and see the the evidence and the the, uh, mandate for us to create places for people to belong. So in verse 16, where we start this morning, the female disciples of Jesus have gone to the grave and they have met an angel and they have met Jesus. And Jesus tells them, hey, go tell the 11 disciples, uh, uh, the guys back that didn't come to the grave, go tell them I'm going I'm to hook up with them in Galilee, right? And we'll, we'll talk then. And so... Uh, that's where we pick up the the women have gone and told the 11 disciples and the disciples are going to Galilee so it says this in verse 16 then the 11 disciples went to Galilee the mountain to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go and and as we start this passage I'm thinking about the state that these disciples were in they had believed in the vision and the mission of this man jesus and then they saw him die a most humiliating and shameful death on a cross and they thought well like that's that i guess i guess that's it i guess we're gonna have to figure out how to go back to our regular lives our regular ideas of reality how are we going to do that after what Jesus showed us. They were beyond heartbroken, I'm sure. And they didn't probably have a ton of hope. But the interesting thing is, they still went. They still went to Galilee. They still decided it was worth showing up to see maybe, maybe if something impossible might be able to happen. That maybe that the life that Jesus lived, the, the, the life that exuded out of every pore, every cell of his body, maybe it was true. Maybe he couldn't be contained by death. And, and, and so they, they belonged to this very unique thing that they felt truly mattered enough that they showed up for something that was impossible. Didn't know what to expect. They didn't know if they'd be let down, but they took that step anyway, and they went to Galilee. I wonder if anybody feels that way this morning, if you feel like you're almost completely out of hope. If you have wondered 
the things that you've committed your life to, maybe even your faith and what you've committed your life to around your faith, that maybe it's just too impossible. Maybe it just doesn't work and it can't work. Well, you can still show up. Look what happens when they showed up. Verse 17, it says this, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Incredible, incredible. They show up and they see Jesus. And then it says they did two things. They worshiped him and then some doubted. So in that space, in that place of belonging, that space where what united these people together was the person of Jesus Christ, what happened is they did two things. They worshiped and they doubted. So that means that there can be a space for people to belong, people who both have faith and doubts, people who have enough passion, who have enough, uh, who, who have enough that they think might be real, that they worship, and that they also doubt. This is a space that Christ City has cultivated and that will continue to be cultivated because you see what happens a lot of times in places where people do belong is you can't ask too many questions. Anybody ever belonged in a place like that? It's not necessarily a religious community. It could be a religious community, but it could be pretty much anything you belong to. You could belong to a, a theater company and be asking the too many of the wrong questions like, well, what about that play? Why, why not this one? Or whatever it might be. It might be a, a corporate job where you're asking about a supply chain, resources. You're just asking the wrong kind of questions and then you cease to belong. But at Christ City, we're so ambitious. We're so ambitious for what is going to, what this is future is going to look like for our church grounded in the city of Memphis, that we are going to cultivate and continue to cultivate a space for doubt and worship to coexist, to co-mingle together just as it was with Jesus's 11 followers. Does somebody hear me out there this morning? Can somebody give a hand clap? Can somebody say an amen? <laughs> oh no. Oh, it just shows, you know, the yeah. doubt, the worship, it's it's right there. So listen, to to doubt the impossible, it's a normal thing. It's normal. But the capacity to doubt and yet worship is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And that's what we call faith. That's what we call faith here at Christ City. And we think it's absolutely essential to have a place for both things. So this idea, if we are to believe it, if it is to seep into our hearts, can change the nature of belonging. From, from being something that's assigned to people who just don't doubt whatever that group is saying, this is what you have to be defined by, to something that can include everyone. We all belong to things, and belonging is hard. The Bible starts a story of, of broken belonging between two brothers, Cain and Abel, and murder resulted because of how incredibly important it is for us to belong and the terrible things we're willing to do to get to belong for somebody else not to fit anymore, we'll do that. 
will do that terrible thing so often. In verse 18, it says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So here, here is Jesus, proven to be unkillable, death-proof even, that, that life fully expressed swallows up death, as Scripture says. Anybody remember that Scripture? What would you expect this leader, this leader of the Jewish people in an uh, oppressed people group under the boot of Rome to say after showing up and being like, hey, look, Y'all can't kill me. All right, followers, come on, let's go. What do, you, what do you think he would say? Like, meet me on this mountain. It's, it's, it's game time, right? Like, y'all strap up. Now that you know I'm invincible, let's go do this thing. Let's go conquer the people that are messing with us, and we'll install the right kind of society, the right kind of environment, and we'll make might make right. But that's not what he does. But what else could be done? What else could be done? That's the only thing human beings have ever done. We're more right than you. We'll take over. We'll do it our way. But for some reason, somehow, some way, Jesus has a different plan, a different mandate, a different space that he is cultivating and creating in the world. And we still, 2,000 years later, haven't caught up to the genius and the impossibility of what he asked, of what he said for his disciples to do. In verse 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. How? With with swords, with guns, with political pressure, with hegemony, with interrupting people's supply chains until they do what you want? No. Is it it by uh, 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 taking over one side of uh, a government structure or, or wedding yourself with political ideologies that make you feel right? No. He says this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. So what he is saying is when you go out into the world, how people will belong is going to forever change by what you do. They're going to belong because of me. Because of what I have done, because of who I am, that actually the person of Jesus Christ is a means and a gathering place for people to belong of all different uh, realities, all different ethnicities, all different places in the world, people that look different, people that smell different, people that speak different languages and believe different things politically, that they could all find a place of belonging. And that is impossible. It's impossible. And yet, here I am today preaching from these same scriptures because somebody did that thing, even though it's impossible. Belonging on the scale of Christianity and the idea of Christianity is completely impossible. It reminds me of this passage in the book of Colossians. uh, Colossians uh, chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. It talks about 
these deep ideas, this deep understanding of what it was that Jesus accomplished, who Jesus was, and why it makes this impossible means of belonging possible. This is what it says. I hope that wasn't my next page. Yeah, it was. Guess it's going to stay impossible. Somebody grab that for me. The sun is the invisible image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him, this is Jesus we're speaking of here, to reconcile to himself all things whether things on heaven or things in earth, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Look, to belong to this world, it will always be accompanied by the sentiment of exclusion. To belong to a team or a group, to be defined by what we are not and what we are against. But the end game has actually been revealed in these scriptures here. The end game is not one of losers and winners, of of the strong and the weak, but to belong, the meaning of belonging, the ultimate cosmic reality of belonging in the kingdom of God means ultimately that God is reconciling the entire world through himself, through the body and blood of that one person's body that was 99.9% identical to ours. The body, the soul, and the story of Jesus Christ. Oh, if we could become enlightened to that idea, that, that deeper reality, that deeper truth, and stop dividing ourselves when we are almost completely identical in all ways. In another letter, it's said like this. I'm showing you this. I want to show you this is in Scripture. It's not just my, it's just not my idea. It's not uh, some, from some, some other source. In Ephesians 1, verses 18 through 23, it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparable great power for us, believe. So here's the source of this immeasurable power. The power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And listen to this in verse 22. And God placed all things under his Jesus' feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. The church is his body. Not just this church, every single church. 
that reality on its own, that, that thing embraced could change the entire world if we were enlightened enough to understand it, to believe it. Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. I don't know. I don't know how. I mean, it seems impossible, but, but I belong and so do you. And so does the little bird this man got out of the street earlier this morning. Some of us, when we became Christians, we were drawn to Jesus because our sins would be forgiven. And we would have freedom from sin. And absolutely, that was what drew me. But it doesn't stop there. If that's all it was, you wouldn't need Jesus after that. Jesus ends this passage by saying, hey, you know what? And I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And I'm in and through all things. And it's like, well, I don't really need Jesus after I get my sins forgiven if that's all this is about. But to become disciples of Jesus, it says that he's saying you must teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. What are those things? To be peacemakers, to be reconcilers, to help people understand that they are worthy and approved by God of love, of salvation, to be counted as children of God. This is the work. It isn't to force other people to think and do like you. Jesus was so confident of this idea. He didn't say, look, just go to these certain people over here or over there. He said, go to everybody. This is a message for everyone, that everyone could belong, and it's impossible. If you want to know God, you, you can't get it in books. You can't read the Bible enough alone at your house to know God. You can't get enough degrees. You can't listen to enough great podcasts. To know God is to belong. They are one and the same. To the degree to which you understand on a cellular level that you belong, that you are a child of God, is to the degree you will know God. The rest is just commentary. We would not see the world in red and blue states and Muslim, Christian, and Hindu. We would not see the world as people who are of this team and this team and that ideology and that, but people who have been reconciled to God by the very body of Jesus. It's impossible. So, doubt and worship. Here's the thing, and this is where I'm closing. The church has always been the place for impossible things. Always has been. There was never a group of people willing to die for the poor and the hungry in mass before Christianity came along. There was never mass adoption of unwanted children before Christianity came along. There was never a desire 
and a command not to show favoritism towards the rich and the powerful until Christianity came along. Impossibility is the first and last name of Jesus Christ. Don't try to figure that out. It doesn't make sense. So, a place, a place to belong, a place to know God. We have the opportunity here at Christ City to co-cultivate a space with God where the impossible can take place, where people can belong. And this sends a prophetic message to the world. This makes a prophetic imagination come to life in the world. That the things the world has settled for, the ways that you could belong, the way we have to divide each other up and shout, you, you're the problem at everybody else, the world can see that it could be different. That is the opportunity that lies before those of us who will show up who will doubt and worship and who will say that is impossible and yet I don't know what else to do because I've been enlightened too much to the possibility of the impossible. I've got to show up. I've got to see what can happen. I've got to doubt about it out loud. I got to keep coming and see what might happen just like those disciples did. That's what we have the opportunity to do as we follow the death-proof cosmic Savior who says that he unifies all things, that he is reconciling the world. This is what I'll end on. We've got too many cats in my backyard right now. If you've you've been around recently, you've heard that mentioned in a sermon before, so I'm obviously working something out in public, and that's not a a great thing for pastors to do, but here it is. These cats, they fight each other, right? And uh, they hiss at each other and stuff. And I can come up and just pick one of them up and start petting them, and the fight's over, right? And I wonder if that's kind of like sometimes how God sees us. We're like kittens fighting about nothing. And if we allowed ourselves to be scooped up into the belonging, that cosmic, deep, molecular level belonging, maybe we wouldn't have so much to fight about. Let's pray and observe communion together, I mean, uh, baptism together and then communion. Uh, So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how impossible it is, how much faith it takes, that it takes a miracle. Would each of us, would you embolden our hearts? Would you give us a sense of uncomfortableness with what we have come to accept as sufficient in our lives? What we have become resigned to in our realities, the, the people that we have written off, Would you give us a vision of the impossible here in Memphis, in our own hearts, in our marriages, in our families, with our friends? In Jesus' name, amen. So at this time, we're going to have all the...